0: This girl from my past every ridiculous ass. She entered the UMass and she passed every class. Walked down the hall with a stuck-up sass. of the basketball player. Oh. See, it's time to pay dues, deliver the news. Like UMass, we refuse to do yeah. I like a really huge ass. Been taking to church. Let's see a UMass. School. I think I'd rather die in a nuclear war than go to Olympic. Good evening. It's 11.55 p.m. on... Friday, one day before UMass plays LaSalle. It's been a strange stretch, and I wasn't going to do a show. But I connected with the guys uh, at OnlyFans, the hysterically funny LaSalle fan Twitter, and we just chatted for about an hour and 20 minutes. So I was sending this stuff to Bennett. I'm not going to do a mailbag. I don't know if he'll have time to post it before the game. It could just end up being one of those weird ones that we post later that has nothing to do with these opponents, but it is what it is. <laughs> I'm super tired. Our country's going to hell in a handbasket. And I'll tell you what's not going to hell in a handbasket. You, if you move with five college movers, maybe you want to go to Canada. We'll probably take you there. Five college movers, maybe they should uh, move some of those uh, treasonous rat fucks uh, out of the capital and into Siberia, also known as Olean. Anyway, five college movers, friends of the podcast, friends of UMass Athletics, and friends of UMass Basketball, call Pat and the gang. Tell them we sent you. Five college movers, stress-free moving in the Pioneer Valley and beyond. Enjoy the show. See, it's time to pay dues, deliver the news. Like UMass, we refuse to lose. Rhymes and booze, the life we choose. Tonight's guests are, believe it or not, our first ever LaSalle-related guests. Now, longtime listeners of the program and followers on UMass Twitter will know that LaSalle, until really about six weeks ago, maybe even less, was the program in the league that, even more than Fordham, I made fun of the most and advocated uh, for their dismissal from the Atlantic 10 the most, in part, selfishly, because I felt like They were devoid of a Twitter fan presence. As it turns out, and as it is with the internet, I never know how I get put on to someone, but it just happens, and then it's, you know, everybody is best friends three days later. But as it turns out, into my life walked the OnlyFans boys, which, of course, for the less online subset of our listening audience, refers to a play on the uh, only arena, or only excuse me, only is the section of Philly where LaSalle is located, and of course, only fans the uh, popular uh, self-made pornography site of sorts, um, and. Uh, they have come out of the gate and really jumped into the intersection of kind of weird Twitter and Atlantic 10 Twitter, an intersection that consists of about seven of us most robustly, but, you know, has several followers on the margins as well. And they've done a fantastic job of uh, tapping into the A10s, a weird A10 Twitter sense of humor and just the vibe in general, and in so doing have really given me a new appreciation for well, not LaSalle basketball, but at least, uh, some of the LaSalle fan base and made me much more appreciative of, uh, having this, this group of people to, like, not just talk shit into the void to. They also, uh, but actually have real people to, to banter with. They also, the only fans guys, uh, Rich and, um, Dennis, they also have, Fuck, What was I gonna say? They also something it's been a long work day, sorry you you guys you guys basically have have changed the game for LaSalle Twitter and uh, we are I, we're, we're, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Um, welcome and introduce yourselves and kind of tell us a little bit about you know how you ended up on Twitter talking about LaSalle doing a podcast about LaSalle. Oh, I remember the point I was gonna say. They also have a very good sense of humor around around the Person that really, until you guys came, I hated the most in the entire Atlantic Ten, which is your play-by-play guy, Pow Man,
1: uh, <laughs> K-
0: Kale, I believe is his name. He has Good. he has been a recurring meme on UMass Twitter for years, and that and when you hear that pow, I mean, I'll be honest, I think, and I don't want to be in, insufficiently, polit- uh, you know, I don't want to be insufficiently politically correct, but or politically incorrect. But I think he might, like, I think I might rather get waterboarded than hear pow, pow, pow a hundred times. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a source of such grating rage for me over the years. And yet you guys have even turned him into sort of a fun meme, and now I don't hate him as much. It appears he's a little more self-aware than I thought, because he seems to play along with it. Anyway, tell us about all that you guys do, what you're up to, how, how it started, and I'll, I'll end this endless intro. Yeah,
2: sure. Oh, Rich, I'll start. Um, okay, so basically, uh, on my personal Twitter account, I I noticed that nobody's tweeting about Lasalle. There's no there's there isn't much of a fan base. Let's be real, there aren't many Lasalle fans out there. And so I was like, okay, there might be a little a little void in the market. You know what I mean? Someone someone could fill that hole. Someone could could be like the outspoken, random guy that wants to talk about their alma mater. So. I decided to make a few tweets on my just following along because Rich and I go to basically every home game.
0: So. This is this is when, by the way, that you started this.
2: What, when did we?
0: No, like you you said, I decided to make you know uh, some tweets. Like when was that that you're talking? Uh,
2: I would say it was about like two years ago.
0: Okay,
2: maybe a little less.
0: Um, and you go by well, Gipper Gipper Grove.
2: Yeah, at Gipper Grove is the, is the handle. I'll follow back. Um, but I think, I think the turning point was when we got Ashley Howard. That's when I decided to kind of be more of a proactive voice on, on Twitter because I saw change, and, and I was sick and tired of our previous coach, John Udini, and I was just ready for change. And when that change happened, I was really excited, and I wanted to speak out. And, and honestly, always noticing people making negative comments towards what's over and over again. I wanted to fight back, in a sense.
0: Love it. Good Rich. good story. Rich, tell us how you jumped in the 4 A. Yeah, I mean, like I said, um Dennis and I went to school
2: together and uh, we kind of met probably about like playing basketball on actual on the court, like on the arena court. Which of it course
0: kind of is of- let's be honest, which is no which is no different than an intramural court to begin with, so it's not that impressive, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: you're right. You're right typically it will be a high school gym but that's an actual arena but that's how we met and like ever since you know we've been going to games you know freshman through senior year and I we still see pick- we're still seeing ticket holders and um, obviously not this year but um you know like, I've kind of had a history like I'm a third generation a Italian, like my dad and my grandfather both west so I kind of been raised up on the cell and I'm a big sports guy and um, I mean I'm not obviously I've been on Twitter as Dennis but um, I feel like we kind of balance ourselves out well he's like more of a marketing guy I'm more of like an account I'm just guy so I feel like we work pretty well
0: together Do you guys distinguish when you're doing the OnlyFans account is it just you both have access to the handle and you're rockin' and rolling, and the voice kind of merges because I wouldn't necessarily know it was two people we have a similar in UMass Twitter world, we have a, a similar account that used to be too. it was It's called Fight Mask, And it's now one of the guys kind of just broke off and is himself now, and the other one kept fight mask. But for a while, they had funny riffs where one would you know say something and then the other would uh, respond, like, <laughs> like, like, like slightly disagree um, and and, it just, and like if if you know, for the eighty seven people out there who got the joke, it was always funny. Um, for the other 800 probably who followed it I think they were always confused but that didn't really matter uh, So yeah I mean how do you guys pick Like who says what
2: <laughs> It's funny because I mean we, we don't try to reveal this stuff but I guess we'll talk about it Rich isn't really as active on Twitter As I am um, And and it, I mean Rich I don't want to steal the thunder no. For, no, A lot okay. of the tweets are my tweets A lot of the tweets are from Jenna.
0: Yeah, Den- Dennis is the. Ninety nine percent of Dennis. Yeah, Den- Dennis is the is the creative is the creative brain behind this. But he, you know, but Rich, yeah, I respect that. Rich is running the operations, the business guy.
2: Great, right. yeah. We're kind of like we feel like the Wizard of Oz right now, like looking behind the curtain. That's kind of how we're rolling right now. And honestly, <laughs> the, the best part of our, I feel like, what we bring to the table is good banter on our podcast chat. Um, the so Twitter was kind of like a side, like it was just a means to promote the podcast, and then I got carried away
0: but see that's what works I mean like the reason you guys I mean when I say works you're, you're, you're naturally going to hit like a small sphere of the population who appreciates both weird Twitter like ironic memes and LaSalle basketball like that's a real niche um, but for those who get it like I think you guys have taken off because you've only been around what like a month two months
2: you know, two months or so I think in November right? That sounds about right Dennis, right?
0: Yeah. Like, like, what was the early moment when you realized, oh, this, this could have legs? I mean, it's not like you have thousands of followers, but you're in the you're in the mid-hundreds. Like, you're doing pretty well.
2: Yeah. But when we beat uh, Dayton recently, I mean, that was, we got spiked. We got like 80 to 100 followers yeah. from that game. And um, prior to that, I just knew that we could play the rest of A10 like a fiddle because we know that, Tom Gola arena is probably the most popular arena, I mean for negative reasons, but it's definitely the most talked about, would you Would you agree? I feel like everybody loves
0: to talk about Tom Gola. so, I mean, it's hard because I feel like the Twitter, it's a good question, I feel like the Twitter algorithm kind of fucks with me because the people I interact with and engage with the most are the very narrow subset of Twitter that likes to make jokes about like bad Atlantic 10 arenas but there's a whole lot of like what i would call normie a10 fans who are just and I, I struggle with it on this show and on twitter because as i've gotten more followers i'm like you know what like i've got a lot of just you know class of 82 and like go minute men you know what i mean and like who just want to hear about like the games and especially as there's been like a void in the local media market and all these layoffs at the the papers that covered us like i i for them i think i probably serve a function of like a more formal you know, like not journalists, but you know, some, like some, something closer to like a legitimate commentator, which is of course not what I aspire to be at all, just the opposite. But so I, I I note all that because I think, yes, like it's the most made fun of among the funny a 10 people, but there's still legions more uh, like weird or like normie a 10 people. So I don't, I don't really know like, but yes, I do think among the, the Vanguard, if you will, the, uh, the elite uh, posting brigade of the, of the Atlantic Ten. I think that Gola is definitely the most memed, uh, <laughs> memed and mocked uh, arena in the league for sure. Sure,
2: for sure. In yeah, way, I, that's why we chose it because we knew it works well. The heel, it works well. It works well. Everyone loves the heel. Everyone loves to talk about historically like a bottom feeder in the 8th end. So we're going to own it.
0: We're going to piss people off. We're going to make people laugh. We're, we're just, we've are we're got nothing to lose. I mean, honestly, there's no one else talking about LaSalle. So we control the voice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's good because, to be honest, like I always just had no respect for LaSalle. And not because, they like, I know the history. You know, you've got interesting talent that's come out of there. You've got, you know, Fran Dunphy. you got Bill. Didn't Bill Raftery go to, uh, for, uh, to LaSalle? Yes. You got the yeah. fifty-four national champs. You got the thirteen-run Rasul Butler. Like what's his name? The dude in the late '80s who was a fucking best player ever. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Lionel Simmons. Lionel Simmons. You know, like like there's Tim Legler. Like there's interesting history, Lasalle, and yet even at those like big five games, it always feels like they're they're outmatched, and there's just like a you know like kind of a no vibe there, and it's always kind of pissed me off because I just assume they just. Institutionally, on down, didn't give a shit, and so to me, your presence <laughs> elevates your entire program and university just as a like entity that I can like have fun with without just it being like unresponded to, you know. Um, so yeah. welcome.
1: <laughs> I
2: appreciate that. I I mean, yeah, we appreciate that. That's,
0: that's
2: kind of words considering. Yeah, we did have a great history. We sit like. Like, people, people don't realize that. Like,
0: we're kind of like educating people in the church we make. Like, we are not. Hold, hold on one be, second. Like, are you all right? I think my wife just stubbed her toe. Sorry. We, we might keep this on the show, babe. I'm sorry. You sure? No, she's fine, but every time she appears on the show, it's like a. It's it's usually a popular hit. Sorry, honey. <laughs> um. <laughs> um. So, uh. Yeah, wait. So keep going. Where were you? Oh,
2: I was just saying, like, thank. So, uh, I'll, I'll say, like, Thanks again for like, you know, boosting us up here. It feels good because yeah, we did have a, we do have a great history. Like LaSalle has an incredible history, and and and, and honestly, there's been quite a downturn as far as like money towards athletics and just obviously the facilities and the program as a whole was really not where it should be compared to its history. So like, the the world we live in right now hasn't been good to LaSalle. With COVID and all of that, and and it's going to take a lot of work to get back to where it once was, and I don't even know if it's possible these days. Because college has changed so much, and we're we're always playing catch up. It seems like in, in yeah. the whole grand scheme of things. So I would say thank you for obviously considering us like uh, an outlet or like a meet, like a mean outlet. Even though we're joking ninety percent of the time, It's just it, at least it shows that there's life. Like there's life in this program. And, you know, history aside, like, we've got
0: something to look forward to in the future. So, LaSalle, um, institutionally, let's just talk about that, because I think every time we have guests from other programs, I think it's helpful. Because the Atlantic 10, let's be honest, and one of the things I love about it, it's a really weird league in terms of just, like, institutional identities, because you've got large flagship Northeast or Mid-Atlantic, like, state universities that... You know aren't quite as like athletically prestigious as their southern or Midwestern counterparts then you've got like kind of a bunch of Catholic schools plus you know some non-denominational more elite academic schools and it's just a weird mix which I like a lot um, but LaSalle I'm trying to just learn a little bit more about the like institutional profile and here, here's what I know small smallish catholic school in a basketball loving city with a lot of good college basketball including two other you know catholic schools that have been more successful in you know recent decades with with Villanova and St. Joe's respectively kind of a rough neighborhood where you're located if I'm not mistaken um is there a, you know, also I, also I know about LaSalle, former Gawker editor A.J. DeLorio, LaSalle alum. Um, that's about it. And then the basketball stuff. That's about all I got. So, uh, that's pretty good, though. That's pretty that's, I'm, I'm impressed. So is there, like, so UMass um, is the kind of school, which just if your listeners are listening, where... Flagship state university in a state that has the best private universities on the face of the earth. Like not an exaggeration, right? You got Harvard, MIT, BC, BU, Wellesley, Williams, Amherst. Like it's it's literally so so very good school. But historically, yeah, historically um, as an institution, they're like the, the the rep and it's changed a lot uh, since kind of like. It's gotten really hard to get into in the last like ten to fifteen years, I think partly because of the recession. but um, there's always been and it's in the western part of the state. So there's always been a perception of UMass as kind of like the people who associate with it, identify with it, went there often have a chip on their shoulder toward you know the eastern, the sort of like the center of power being east. and it's like it's kind of like a a fun part of the fan identity too. Western mass is its own type of place. So a lot of locals, like kids like me, who grew up in that er- in, in the area identify with it. But it's, it, it has, like, an underdog ethos. Um, is LaSalle, does LaSalle, like, feel that? Does it feel it, like it's in the shadow at all of Villanova or St. Joe's or, you know, other... other You know, you got Penn there. There's a, there's a lot of stuff in Philly that you hear about before you hear about LaSalle. Yeah, uh, absolutely.
2: I feel like he depicted that very well. I feel like when you have the kind of academic institutions out of the Big Five, you would probably put probably put LaSalle at the bottom of the list. You have Penn, Villanova, and then I guess you can either do Temple or St. Joe's enough. And, and it's kind of, I mean, I guess, I mean, there's a kind of direct school as well, but they're not the Big Five, but you can figure that very well. I feel like you can kind of say that LaSalle is kind of like, they're like underdog or, you know, that's fifth out of those five schools. Wouldn't you say so, Dennis? Oh, for sure. For sure. We... We haven't grown as much as, as our counterparts, and historically we've always looked at St. Joe's as our like our deepest darkest rival. Those guys are supposed to be who we're competing with, but if you step on foot at, at St. Joe's campus and compare that to La LaSalle campus, it's like it's quite different. There's a, there's a lot of differences to be made, and and, and honestly, both schools are. Struggling in a sense with COVID and cutting athletics and, and just all sorts of you know tumultuous times, but in the press, in the media, you, you are absolutely right when you talk about the the, the big five. Like LaSalle is not is, is usually not considered one of the top tier big five schools. Like we're definitely in fourth or fifth place in in overall like rank. Like if, if a student or just say, I want to go to Philly, I want to go to a school in Philly,
0: sadly, that would not be one of their first choices. Well, and Drexel has had kind of a has. I, I I know they had like some big donor a few years back who put a fuck ton of money in, and they and it's sort of like in a very, I guess like a fun part of the city kind of, and Drexel has had a bit of a resurgence too? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. They've got Penn right next to them
2: too, you can literally, yeah. the campuses are in the same location. So you have a really, it's called University City for a reason. Like that area of Philly is literally just students. And it's a really cool experience, especially when you've got a game at the Flustra and everyone's out and about on campus. So like the atmosphere is like totally different to LaSalle. LaSalle is on an island, one might say, in, in respect to the city. Like if, if you're a student that doesn't, isn't familiar with Philadelphia, LaSalle doesn't represent the whole entire city as well as like Temple. Where you're on you're on Broad Street or uh, University City um, or St. Joe's, you go up to West Philly. You experience West Philly, North, Northeast Philly, North Philly is where LaSalle is located, and it's definitely a lot of the same. It, there's no there's there's no like uh, I mean if you looked hard enough you could find you know interesting things but. You're not inclined to do that as a student. You're not inclined to be an explorer. <laughs> um, it, it's just the uh, Whenever they decided to build that school there back then, you know it used to be a totally different atmosphere. But now that school is still our, their school is still built in the same place. They haven't moved, relocated, bought any other property. They've been kind of they've been kind of steadfast and stood, stood there forever. And, and that just shows you how much we need to change and how much we
0: need to grow because it just feels like always, we're always playing catch-up. We're always playing catch-up. So I guess, like, in terms of how that manifests itself with respect to student engagement in particular, like when you were a student and to an extent alumni engagement, would you say um, that, because I think when you're, Fifth fiddle in a city, you can kind of take that two ways. And I think, like, with UMass historically, especially when they're not good, I mean, when they were good, it's a totally different environment. But when they're not good, there's kind of like students who lo- everybody loves the school because it's like a blast and it's out, it's it's, it's, it's it's like its own city kind of. But athletics wise, it's in a very pro region, you know, as is, you know, i still say that Philly is a pro town. I mean, you've got the big five, you've got great college basketball, but it's still ultimately a pro town. And then for college, you know, football-wise, you've got a lot of Penn State alums who, you know, dominate, you know, so that's the thing in in football. But um, at UMass, it's like when, you know, most people are, if there's a rabid following of us on, like, UMass Twitter and whatnot, and you'd think that there was, like, a zillion of us, but it's not like Dayton or St. Louis or BCU where there's just always going to be a core of like many thousands of fans who really follow it, you know? Um, and so I think a lot of the fan base is um, with respect to basketball in particular, cause hockey has been awesome. Um, but with respect to basketball in particular, it's kind of like, uh, like what have you done for me lately? Like, why would I give a shit? They, they're kind of like, I'm not going to be, like I'd be perceived as like uncool if I got really into that because like what are they? With with of oh, course sure. the with the, with of course a, a significant chunk of exceptions who are just sports fans and get into it and realize there's a lot of fun around to be had around the A10 and like you know there's always going to be that but I'm wondering you know at LaSalle, are are the is the student engagement kind of like you know we're gonna cower and hide or is it like we're gonna sort of say fuck you and take on the world?
2: It definitely. Uh what would you say, Rich? It's all fair weather. I would say, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, but I feel like Philadelphia in general, like it's very fair weather. There's, there's a lot of noise in the sports market. In the sports market, we top five sports market. There's always going to be some news that's expected over LaSalle winning a big game against I, I would love yeah. to go back and check the press clippings, but I'm sure that despite LaSalle's amazing win against the top tier eight schools. That did not make headline news in Philadelphia. It just did. There's definitely far more news to be made with the pro teams and the yeah. Villanova. So like if Eagles made a signing or Phillies made a signing in like February, that would update LaSalle being like number nine problems like at the time. Oh for sure. Like it's such yeah. a pro town. Yeah, we like we so. get screwed. We get screwed every yeah. time. Like there's there's no, it's very difficult to build momentum when the biggest moment on our campus is Literally unheard of in the half of the city. Like, no one even knows it even happened because if it's timed a certain way, like, oh, it, it's totally going to, it's just going to get lost. And Joe Allen B drops another, his fourth triple double in a row. That's going to take precedence over LaFalle getting 25 points from David B. That's going to take precedence every time, nine times out of ten. And that's why our students don't see any, any value in supporting them because it, it, it's newsworthy in our little bubble it's newsworthy in the student newspaper but we care about the protein a lot more and
0: yeah. you have a That's lot cool. of and you have, a, you have a lot of Philly kids who go to LaSalle right?
2: oh for sure the, yeah, the most yeah. silly, I would say like we don't get many folks from outside of Philadelphia I would say Rich what do you say it's like 80% like local out uh, of like bad, students wise not basketball
1: TV students
2: yeah a lot of the majority uh, you know people from the yeah like the, the suburbs and the city area, yeah. instead
0: probably eighty percent. I would say that, that's fair. That's a fair yeah, you, I'm looking at your at like Wikipedia. You guys have like 3,900 undergrads, another thousand yep. and change grad students. Um, so most so so it's mostly like a Philly school. Uh, and it's yep, Philly absolutely. and it's Philly identified. But Northeast Philly is like how far is it from I don't know like St. Joe's if you're you know driving.
2: Oh well, that's the best part. It's, it's like ten minutes away from Saint Joe's. Yeah, it's like fifteen minutes. Yeah. I guess you would say it's still kinda like of, north Philly. But, uh, yeah, it's probably fifteen minutes
0: in Saint Joe's. Oh, okay. No in La Philly. It's a different neighborhood. I mean because Saint Joe's I've been to and, and like I remember trying to thinking about going to a LaSalle game and I didn't have a car at the time. I was coming I live in New York City and I was like, All right, I'll take the train to thirtieth Street or whatever it is and I yeah, and I yeah. see and then I get there and it's like I wanted to take the uh, is it is it Marta or Marka? Oh, what's the?
2: Well, you would, you may have taken that West
0: Frankfurt. Okay, uh, Septa. Oh, SEPTA. I'm SEPTA. sorry. What am I? Fu- dude, it's been a long day. So uh, so Septa, and it's it was like you could take this here, and then take like nine buses, and then take like a cab here. <laughs> and I was like, fuck this! It was so difficult to get to that I was just like, forget it. Um, and so I, kind of bailed, but it's, so it's, it's not an easy place to get to. It sounds like.
2: So I've, I've mastered it because I decided I was going to explore the city. I'm like, you know, some students will do that, but like it takes about 30 minutes from 30th Street. If you plan correctly, you have to take two subway lines. There's only two. One goes north, south, the other goes east and west. And it would take you About 30 minutes If you catch the right Subway at the right time
0: What about dri- what about driving From like uh, From 30th street Oh that
2: would take Maybe 20
0: Okay Alright
2: Yeah Yeah, yeah, it's depending yeah. Traffic, yeah. yeah it's Always depending on
0: traffic Like an Uber but An every- Uber ride Is going to be 20 bucks Yep Yep yeah. it's right,
2: yeah. Every school I, I think every Every campus If you went from campus To campus It would all take Roughly 20 to 30
0: minutes Isn't Penn Right near 30th street though
2: Yeah Yeah Let's yeah. say you wanted to go from Let's say Lissau was playing 10 Or LaFalle was playing Drexel 20 minutes and then yeah, 20, 25, yeah. yeah It's kind of all Lissau was playing Nova Probably like, what, 25, 30? Yeah Nothing's too far away
0: Because Nova's like right outside the city
2: Yes Some may argue that Villanova isn't even in Philadelphia Yeah,
0: yeah. But hey, it's yeah. on the main line, right?
2: Exactly. exactly.
0: Yep, yeah. Yeah, and and isn't um, Saint Joe's quasi mainline?
2: Plus, it's like on the yeah, fringe. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a like Got that's it. kind
0: of a fancy little neighborhood there. Yeah.
2: I mean, like, yeah. Definitely. Seems like you have a background about it. Like you know, yeah, I feel like you know this area.
0: I mean, you know, you know like I've been watching. You know what you're talking about. I've been. Wa- I okay, my. All right. Let's just get really honest here. Uh, Sage talks about losing his virginity here uh, We're cutting this for obvious reasons uh, Back to your regularly scheduled program Then I, I bought my wife um, our Her her uh, wedding band in Philly At this like certain like Like kind of hippie jeweler In like she, my wife did not want a diamond She wanted like It was weird but anyway There's this like place in, in It's like where is that neighborhood It's like it's like cool it's not it's it's, it's it's. like not even yeah it's not far from there but it's not like the main jewelry because it was kind of like these like oh. artisanal like bend the shit in front of you like kind of like hipster vibes um, good people it was maybe like Dogtown or Fishtown or Oh, uh, Fishtown, Fishtown. Yeah, Fishtown. And, um, so I went for a weekend there. We went, and then, of course, like, I made us go to the UMass St. Joe's game. That was, like, five or six years ago. No, probably seven years ago now. So I love, I love Hawk Hill. So I've been around there, and then, and then I, and then in college, I was, I was, like, I hooked up with this girl from, um, man, I'm, I'm making myself sound way cooler than I am, but this girl from, uh.
1: Holy
0: yeah, from, like, one of those really bougie mainline towns, um. Like, uh, like Bala Kinwood, or am I making that up? Yep,
1: uh, yep, yep, you're right.
0: Um, and so, and then I was there for the 20, 2006 um, UMass lacrosse uh, national title game and Final Four weekend. Against oh wow! That, and that was fun. Uh, well, except for my friend, who's, um, well now he's recovered it. He's he's recovering, been in for many years, but he had a rough time at the tailgate. And uh, anyway, long story. So Philly, Philly has a, a fine place in my heart, but LaSalle remains a complete and utter mystery. I, I don't know anything about it except that I hate Pow Man and uh, Tom Gola Arena because it's dark and dreary, and we always lose there. And um, it just and I didn't like um, I didn't like Giannini. So well,
2: consider the an invitation to you. Like next time you're able, COVID, you know, COVID. Willing or permitting, you can definitely come to Philly, and we will uh, show you the beautiful campus that we we once spent our couple of years
0: on. Is it? I appreciate yeah. that. Is it a nice campus?
1: It, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a
2: so. it's, it's better I mean, it's small, but it's not as bad as people say it is. Like Correct. I don't know when the when day four nineteen and the feature of year gave for They big old on the campus. on the campus. I mean. Honestly, it's quite blingy and it. but there is something there. And I mean, it's not the FLOs, but it's very small. Yeah. Is there like I'm just what percentage of kids live on
0: the campus? How many? Like, is it? I mean, is it a hundred? Is it you know, like You know, is it? If you're a junior or senior, are you commuting from? Because I'm just thinking, if you're a local kid in Philly, uh, wouldn't you just a question. commute? Like, I would say, I
2: would say like. Yes, Rich. That's what I was thinking. 50, 40, 60 stay on campus, forty, 40 on campus, or or community.
0: Yeah. When you say on campus, is that also like, you know, apartments right off campus, or are you saying like in dorms?
2: No, so, um, the majority of our students that live on. If you live on campus, you are in a dorm, um, yeah. in a dorm complex. But if you are, you could be you could be off campus, but like right next to campus, like and. You would live in a row home. You would live in a house that is definitely not, like, campus authorized or anything like that. Like, these yeah. are row homes that have been there for centuries.
1: And a yeah. uh, landowner.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So those are the two options. Um, LaSalle used to be a pretty solid commuter school. I think that they do a little bit of commuting here and there. If they used to. Um, but I would say you want that college experience, even if it is, you know, LaSalle and Northeast Philly. And a lot of students will... Be in a dorm until sophomore year And then move off campus Junior, senior year Typically okay.
0: Got it, got it Okay So uh, does it have kind of like a, a blue collar ethos Or is that just like uh, The romance of it Because in comparison To some of these other You know More posh Philly schools it is I would say,
2: I would say it's blue collar Yeah for most part For sure And most part I would say it's blue collar But I feel like you know, some people go because, like, it's like they come for money and they probably couldn't get another school. But I feel like for the most part, I would say
0: blue-collar. Agreed. Got it. I always find it funny, though, when people say it's like a blue-collar school because it's like, well, in America, only, like, 30% of people have, or 35% of people have a college degree. So, like, it's not really ever blue-collar if you, like, get a four-year degree and you're an accountant or whatever. But, like, <laughs> compared to, like, Penn, yeah, I'm sure it's, like, yeah. You know, pretty gritty, but it's like you're not you're not like you know it's it's not it's not exactly like uh, you know vocational training or whatever. It's
2: not prestigious, but it's not vocational
0: training. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm saying that with any college. Like when people say about, it's like, oh, you know, we're like a blue college. Because people say about UMass, I'm like, well, like you're like majoring in biology, and you're like still like going to college. Like it's you know, you're not you're not like working in a quarry, like you know, like mining stone, you know. Um, but so yeah, we gotta we gotta we gotta go get our guys to have that blue collar attitude, and it's like, all right, well, whatever. Uh, after their theology class, is there is there um what order of Catholicism is it? Is it, is it like you know Bonas, Bonaventure is like a Franciscan school? Are you? It's, Lasalle is a Catholic school, right?
2: Yeah, Lasalle is a Christian brother
0: school. That's right. Got it. Got it. Um,
2: so we are actually related we are sister schools with Manhattan College in New York. Oh, okay. They are. Sure. They're also Christian brothers. Yeah. Uh, the Jaspers. It's what
0: they're called. <laughs> Got it. Um, sure. And that's, and it's interesting because I was actually talking to a buddy who's a Fordham, uh, like my mentor is a, is a Fordham alum. Double Fordham actually went to law school there too and he um, was saying that like, we were talking about like the, the pecking order of Catholic schools in New York the other day and Manhattan has, like, used to be back in the day, like, was, like, a, a very prestigious, and, and it's, like, in, like, the, you know, 50s, and it's, it's changed now where, like, Fordham's a little higher in that pecking order because they poach kids from, like, outside the city, whereas LaSalle remains, or, uh, anyway, none of this is important. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about the vibe at that, ba- of basketball games. So you guys are, are, are something of, um, you know, you're trying to revitalize the fan base to some extent or at least bring some attention to it, some much-needed attention to it. Um, you were there for that one miraculous year where, they, where John Giannini saved his job for the next five is how I always what, looked at that run. I always cite that as an example of, like, if you're a college basketball coach and you suck, but you have one epic run at a place that isn't supposed to have an epic run, You can completely change the trajectory of your career either there or elsewhere. He basically had an unremarkable several seasons prior and a really unremarkable several seasons after, but that was a special run. I mean, you were a play-in team, won three games. Were you guys at those games? I mean, just tell me about that experience and how much those experiences cemented your fandom. Like, Do you think you're doing this without that run?
2: Oh, I totally agree that that was like the, that was the the reason why we're still doing this today.
0: Mm.
2: Freshman uh, year, I disagree, but go ahead. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, All right. Go ahead, go ahead. Fresh. Tell your story. Uh, Freshman year, Rich and I and maybe like five other people were the only people standing, the only people yelling and cheering. And we were terrible. We were Rich will tell you we were in the playing game when they used to do playing games. So we didn't even make. The Atlantic 10 tournament for the playing game. We lost the St. Joe's. So we didn't even make the 8-10. No, tournament.
0: wait. They still have a playing game. You just mean the pillow fight, basically.
2: No, like in the in our freshman year, I think it was like the, uh, what, 09-10 yep. season, there was only 13 teams, I think, in the A 10 and only 12 made it. And LaSalle didn't make it that year. Like, LaSalle yep. didn't make it That's right. No, you're right. Year. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so sad. So, yeah. nonetheless, we per- we persisted, we stood for every year, <laughs> and we sophomore year came around. Okay, a little bit better. At least we made it to the Atlantic Ten tournament. Junior year, yep. we got to the NIT because we had the power of these transfers. These guys that were from Philly, they left for Power Five schools, and then they decided it wasn't for them, and they came home. And John Genini made a living off of
0: that. An absolute living. That was guys home. from Auburn and fucking everywhere. Syracuse and Memphis not, yeah. and
2: Yep. yep. Yeah. Exactly. So that was huge. And then senior year when they were able to just somehow just play incredible like our guards were just so incredible. Our coach kind of let them do it. Just let them do their thing. There was really like oh, I guess we could say like it was mostly the players that, that I mean.
0: you' like who was it? Was it like that? Wasn't like Pookie Powell. Who was on that team?
2: Oh, Pookie was uh, there. Yeah, it was like Ramon Galloway, Tyrean Thurin, Tyrone Garland, Jarrell Wright.
0: And you had a big uh, too. Was it Eric Murray? No, he, he,
2: he was there our freshman year, and then he left. I think our sophomore year. Yeah, he went to. Uh, was it, it? in Virginia. West Virginia? And then tackle something after that. Yeah. So basically, some of our transfers worked really well, and and the one the guys that we actually got freshman year <laughs> and stayed all four years didn't usually pan out, except for Tyreek Duren, Tyreek Duren, and uh, Sam Mills. Those two, I feel like they were. Uh, sorry, the, that,
0: that, that was a fun right? team. That like was a fun perfect. team, and they had that like they had that like dance or whatever they did.
2: <laughs> well. They were definitely dancing a lot.
0: No, it was like the like, North Philly shot. They had a name, I thought.
2: The Southwest. That was a shot in there, the Southwest Philly floater.
0: Oh, my uh, bad. Okay.
2: Yeah. they on. But, so to bring it all together here, the point is that I was I was there, uh, I went to Dayton for the playing game. That was the only game I could attend on the tournament run. And with every win, there was more and more like excitement. And it was definitely the greatest sports moment of my life up until that point. I know the Phillies I'd won the World Series, but this just felt more special because I was a part of it, like actually attending the school. So it felt it felt really good, and that well, that was stuck with me. I was like, I'm gonna keep this feeling, and I'm gonna like keep like going to every game after it. And I because I lived in Philly, and I, I just craved basketball. Like you know, I'll go to any basketball game anywhere, anytime. Like just if you want to go somewhere, just invite me, and I'll meet you there. Like I felt that way to begin with, and then when you, you combine it with. The history and this magical moment that we've had, in all four years of supporting them—it's just about—it just makes sense to keep going and, and create the Twitter and create the podcast, and that's how I feel about it. But Rich, Rich, you said you you, you have a, another thought about that. Well, i was just saying that like I feel like you know like I was saying before my grand grandfather left me look out, and I feel like I mean maybe I'm be saying that, but um, even didn't make that switch I feel like I would still kind uh, follow you know. But support, support him, so I feel like sports sense like how to like blind loyalty. But I feel like obviously it's uh, I mean I'll of that a run. But I mean I wasn't able really to go to any of the games but um, I'll never forget being in like the Dan Rodden Theater with like a bunch of um other people when, you know you saw the selection show and I think it was we cut the break and they show that the South made it in the first quarter and then we're going crazy and then, you know, watching some of the games at the goal arena on, like, a big screen when, uh, I forget, maybe it was Kansas State. But I feel like, like those memories and then when they made a Sweet 16, you know, beating Ole Miss and being out at the corner, 20th um, um like I don't I forget that, like, those memories, you know, or, uh, like, ones in their experience again ones in their present.
0: So did you kind of know after that run that it was going to be an aberration or were you going into your first year out of college because that was your senior year? Or no, that was your – was that your – yeah, that was your senior that year. That was our senior year. So
1: senior did, year,
0: did so. you enter the next year being like as, as, you know, young dudes in Philly, whatever, like, oh, we'll go back to campus, like we'll be like the young alums and we're going to be good and we got like kind of a swagger now? Or were you kind of like, this is an aberration and we know it's not going to happen again?
2: I feel like, um, Rich, I'll, I'll start here. I feel like we had every reason to believe that they could, like, repeat that magic. Because my my logic was that it only lost two guys. Two guys left us at the end of this magical run. Ramon Galloway and a grad transfer from Penn. They were literally just, the one, the one guy didn't even play. But apparently losing Ramon Gallows and the collapse of LaSalle basketball as we know it because the team was terrible the year after a 2016 run. It was ridiculous and that's when I started to think that our coach needs to go because I was like how do you, how can't sustain this with the same guys? Like Ramon was a huge peak granted but I feel like that's, that's great to only lose one guy. Like LaSalle was reloaded but in that midway through the season I was like this is very disappointing, and and I lost all the luster was lost, and I just felt really bummed
0: out and <laughs> pissed off. Yeah, I'm That's looking at, I'm time. looking that team up. They went 15 right. and 16, seven and nine in the league. Just like kind of classic, like yeah. med you a know, mediocre. middling LaSalle. But it's weird because you did you realize? I mean, I realized right away after that 13 run, I was like, Giannini is going to be there as long as he fucking wants. Like he's just going to ride this for because he wasn't quite good enough to turn it into a better job. So once I saw that, I was like, "All right, he's never going anywhere." Were you con- Did you ever like make that connection, or was it uh, the next season when you were like, "Oh boy, we're 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 fucked"? Yeah, I kind of
2: like understand like you saying. Um, like that year, like I was kind of. I was some more podcasts the other day. Like I was comparing like Ramon Galloway and like team. Cause they return, I think during the return, Sam Miller, Santa Garland, just like this Satan team, you know, Satan lost Obi Top and they bring up these other guys, you know, John Carter, and Watson, they're just not the same. Cause they miss a leader, kinda like Obi was. But Satan, I, I mean, you don't know what, how far they would have went, but that's the kind of parallel to I, how I see. But um like you were saying, I feel like Gene kinda caught lightning in the bottle, and we kinda hope that when they made that 216 run, that you know they would help out with recruiting and do what they could, but I feel like they didn't really market it well, and then they just kind of went downhill, and then eventually leading to junior get fired.
0: Is it that they didn't market it well, or just that they ultimately didn't have the institutional support and resources to to really sustain that at any level? I mean, you can have a great run, but like. If you're not, if you're still playing in Gola Arena, Gola Arena, and I presume you don't have a practice facility, and I presume like all these things working against you, I mean, was there talk around the program, or has there been talk around the program about you know really investing more meaningfully? To, because I, and this is like a segue, but I think it's a good thing to ask. Uh, that's a good question. My my read at, on LaSalle has always just been like they just, and it's not a knock on the institution. I, I don't know enough about it, but it's just like they don't appear to have the money to compete at the level of even close to, you know, a high level or they're not interested in it? Because even like Bonaventure, it's not a school with a large endowment, but their yeah. their fan base is so rabid and, you know, there's parallels. There's small Catholic school, obviously it's different, Philly, upstate New York. But like, mm-hmm. is there is there a sense of at least among you guys or among the other rabid fans, like that LaSalle is just institutionally not committed enough to, to making it work in the Atlantic Ten?
2: Yeah, so that's the, the, a huge reason why people wanted John Giannini gone and oh, the athletic director gone as well. He stepped down as well. And it was really a product of, yeah, lack of, lack of attention to the athletics. There was a significant drop off as far as recruiting goes. The experiment of John Giannini getting transfers from big five schools to come back home, it, it was either a sweet 16 run or we were terrible. So that's going to work. Like, I feel like with that transfer plan, that wasn't a kind of sustainable kind of process, you know? It was kind of like, I did, did catching things. Like, build a, bit of a program, you need four-year guys. Exactly. Exactly. That he, he, he It failed miserably, like nine times out of ten. And that one time, it worked really well for us. But the, the point is, we, we saw right through that. Like, as soon as 2014 rolled around and we were a mediocre team, I was like, oh boy, we're back to our old ways again. Then... This is not sustainable, and the, the athletic department doesn't care, and we're just going down another dark river of without misfortune. Um, and, and granted, they, they turned it around. They turned it around, but it, it really sucks that we weren't able to spend this. Like, DJ, uh, DJ Johnson we got in from Syracuse. That was awesome because he's, he's in the NBA now, and he's incredible. But it's just bad that we weren't able to, to build a culture that gets those four-year, four four-year guys that Rich said. Um, and, and Ashley is definitely the guy to do that. Like that's totally like Villanova's, like calling card. Like you are Villanova through and through. You're a four-year guy. Typically you're going to be like all the fundamentals and we're going to play, you know, 40 minutes, et cetera, et cetera. Like that is a great culture. We, we never had that. Um, and then you combine that with just overall just. Just, just pace for the university and just I don't know. It was it was a, it was a rough time. The, the school recently cut a bunch of a, a bunch of teams. Do you, you see that news? I'm I did.
0: Sure. I did. It's the baseball team, and then Perez from Barstool is trying to save them. Did they yeah. come back or? Yeah, they're not coming back yeah. yet. But maybe
2: one day. Yeah. Like, sorry for yeah. how tough it is these
0: days. <laughs> so, is there any like you know, for lack of a better word, like big swing and dick around the program? Who's like a donor or like UMass has like really like one guy who you know built the got him the practice facility and if there's ever going to be a buyout of McCall that's like you know people are like oh will he do it I don't think he will actually but the point is like there's enough kind of lingering characters and, and, and you know also just folks from the Mid 90s era who are monitoring it and sort of expect at least us to be like decent to the point that when we're not, you know, a coach will a canned or like there's there, like Giannini lasted 15 years there. I don't, you know, Derek Kellogg who had similarly one good run but at least two solid NIT runs lasted nine but he was an alum. Pretty much like my point about all this is at UMass there's enough fan support and enough you know, people at the highest levels of the university and, and donor types, that there will be kind of interventions if things get, you know, hit rock bottom too much. It, it didn't ever appear there was that at LaSalle, which surprised me because you have, as we said, you know, Bill Raptory, Tim Legler, like all these all these people who, you know, are affiliated with the program, at least in name. Is there no one who's kind of like gonna, gonna flex and say like, we gotta get this right? <laughs>
2: well, Rich, I—I I don't know your oh. thoughts on the matter, but like, as far as as far as, we don't have the cash but like we don't have the cash no. we, we don't have that. Those people in the woodwork. When you go to a LaFalle basketball game, Rich and I are probably the youngest people there. So, and and by the way, there's there's no one there from 2013. Like, there's no one there sitting next to us that. There. There, yeah, besides there's a few guys, but like it's not like that that resulted in fans for life. It's like you serve, your four years old, now you head out and you go. The, the donor program, our endowment is not very good. Um, I, I guess that might change one day, but we've adopted a model of like really cheap tuition. Uh, our, our, our university president is really trying to change things around, but and in college in general, you just want the cheapest, cheapest education as you can get. Get the nice experience, and that's great. There's your four years. Like people are less and less inclined to give back and be a big donor. I, Rich, I don't know if there's any donors out there over the what? past ten years that would make like a huge, huge investment. I mean, there was talk about someone maybe putting some money down for a for a new arena, but you know, who knows these days. Yeah, I agree with you. I just don't, I don't see it. I feel like, like, let's say I was the type of school just from, you know, I was graduating in 2013. I feel like you just don't have that kind of very young people kind of coming back and you don't have that through the pipeline. You don't have kind of those type of donors who are going to donate like that type of money for it. Because I feel like it's just, it's just not there.
0: Yeah, I would just think like Fran Dunphy for instance, not that he would donate the money, but just that, you know, a guy like Fran Dunphy who is a, a legend in Philly co- coaching circles went to LaSalle would just step in and kind of say, "We got to do the right thing here." Like, was there, you know, like I mean, ultimately they did fire Giannini. He wasn't there for life. So, I mean, that that had to be informed by something. I mean, obviously the bad results, but like somebody had to step up and say, "All right, John, enough's enough. We got to we got to go in a different direction." So there's obviously some engagement around the program. Yeah.
2: Like, well, I feel like Dennis kind of mentioned this earlier. Like, new president, like, this is the first time, I think, I don't know, you make made before in the South history that it's not a white person being president. Um, so that's kind of a different kind of focus. So I think that, you know, like Dennis said, that yeah, we'll was cutting back on a lot of sports um, programs. I feel like they are trying to prioritize basketball, but little by little, I feel like Ashley Howard is like a step in the right direction.
0: But where we go from here, it'll be interesting to see with obviously everything going on with COVID. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I think with LaSalle is like, talk about Tom Gola Arena because it's obviously, as we discussed before, kind of a joke. Is it as bad as we make, make it, or is it just kind of like, you know, run of the mill bad?
2: <laughs> I mean, the, the arena is, is the arena. It's been there for, for a long time. The, the university used to play their basketball games at a convention center before Tongola Arena was built. They also used to play at the Palestra, which is obviously an incredible place to play. And we still do schedule big opponents there when we can, when we get get the time slot, you know what I mean? So that that's always an asset that we have. But as far as recruiting... The arena is definitely a negative. And I know that I know that, that is always the topic among Atlantic and Square. And what I do know is that we've hired a new athletic director who comes from Northwestern. And if you want to think about Northwestern, their athletics program has exponentially gotten better over the years. They've built incredible facilities. I believe they have a beach on campus in Chicago. I'm not sure how that's going with the winter, but just think about the potential that we've got. And I think, I think it, it's great. It, as long as Ash keeps coaching them up and we get these wins, these big wins against the top tiers. I think some donors will come out of the woodwork. Somebody's got to speak out. Somebody's got to bring out and bring it up. And then you combine that with our new president our new athletic director, that they have a plan. It may have gotten derailed recently. But they they definitely had a plan. Like we saw,
0: we've seen renderings of a, of a new, brand new arena. Does that, does that help? Should yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I mean, thought? it's yeah. With the new arena, I mean, so like Gola fit seats thirty four hundred when they're good and it's and it's like banged out. It gets really loud in there, right? Oh, for
2: sure. When we saw yeah, yeah. well, it, you know, it, it's incredible. Yeah, uh, it's chaotic. It's chaotic. I mean, it's really loud and it can be kind of a crazy place to play if it's fully packed, but fully packed doesn't really happen too often, unfortunately.
0: What kind of season ticket holder base is there? Like do you even have to order season tickets or do you just kinda like go to the window?
2: No, <laughs> no we do order them, but I feel like you got I don't know, a handful of young maybe like i don't know probably count the young people on your hands how many people are holders but then you know you got your I don't know, your most of time between like, I don't know, 45 and 70, and there's probably, you know, one side, you got um, the students on the other side, you have the alumni, and it's probably like, the alumni side's probably like half-filled, and you see the same people every single game, and the alumni side almost, you know, except, you know, a handful of games, like the bigger games and homecoming. Other than that, it's the
0: same,
2: the same faces.
0: So you got like, yeah. you got like a couple hundred season ticket holders?
2: That sounds about right. Maybe I don't know, right? Uh, is it triple? I don't know. Triple digit? I don't I think it is. Like Whether people five. actually attend it. Uh, I'm like trying to, i have like picturing all the names in my head. <laughs> we can, yeah, we can actually. I just you. know thought <laughs> we to be We have a, this is a side note, but we have a guy who's been next to it. He, what is he, a dean at another yeah. college? Yeah, Bryn bring Mawr. Yeah, yeah, good so we, school, girls' school. Guy. Yeah, we a lot of lot, a lot of local of, guys. Uh, real, friends, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> There's really not much.
0: What's, a, not much what's a dean at an all-girls school in the Philly suburbs doing? Like at, as a LaSalle season ticket holder, just out of curiosity. <laughs> he must have grad. Did he
2: go there? He must. He must have I to I LaSalle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. he's just a big basketball guy too. Yeah. You know, I love his feedback, and it's really funny because. I found myself being like the loudest one in the, in the gym sometimes. It can be like quiet. It can be real quiet some games.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm like looking at your website and just kind of like your season ticket holders are actually cheaper than UMass's by a decent amount. And that's. You know, UMass is like known for having a really uh, like cheap season ticket compared to, you know, VCU and all these, some of these other places and it's always oh, like, so it's really
1: cheap. Oh, it's really cheap.
0: Yeah, and you yeah. guys, you guys can, you like start, you can get a, if you're a young alumni and like a, the blue section, whatever that means, for 99 bucks. Yeah,
2: that's a the size. Like we said, like center court. So ours are a little, a little more than that. Like I feel we're paying, like two hundred dollars for, you know, 16, 16, games. But we don't have seat back. <laughs> <laughs> you just look like,
0: is there any is there any um, opponent who takes over your gym? Their fans? Oh, all the time. Uh, yeah, like that's big at Fordham. Whenever UMass plays Fordham, there's a lot of UMass people in the New York area, and there's like you know, or uh, I mean, we do it with like when we play like, Harvard or BC because most of UMass alums are in the Boston area. But I'm um, um, i it, not. It's not the case in, in Philly, obviously. But is it like St. Joe's fans just take over the gym? Uh, like
2: even like Bain. Like the Bain comes, they take over. D.C.U. came last year, they took over, like, and, like, they'll, they'll be, both cheer louder than LaSalle. Like, St. Joe's, Will, Temple will. Well,
0: road, road fans always cheer louder. Like, UMass fans are, are it's a morgue at, at our own gym, and we're not good, but we go into, uh, like, play at Harvard, and it's like, do you think UMass had, like, you know, uh, Serbian soccer fanatics? Like, it's like, we're nuts, you know? It's, but there, there is something about just being on the road that's different, but yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it's, not ideal. Well, I
2: mean, like, never even hear the Dane people, the VC people. Now you hear the South people. It's crazy. Well, here's my thoughts on that. This is one of those situations where the Dane fans book a buck and, and they're playing St. Joe's Saturday without Sunday. Or St. Joe's Friday, you know, it's a weekend trip. And I think that everyone gets real true stuff over that when they're traveling from Ohio to Philly and they see the site. It's kind of like a... It's like a vacation for for yeah yeah Dayton, Dayton, fan, Dayton fans Dayton fans
0: no yeah totally yeah. Dayton fans are just like I always say like if you're in Dayton Ohio and you have like a little bit of money you don't have to be you don't have to be like like the money wouldn't take you far in New York or Philly or Boston but like if you're in Dayton and you kind of, you know yeah. you you own a you know you own a Cadillac dealership or whatever you <laughs> you know like you're, you're you're rocking your red sweater and like. You are going to travel to every day, like that's your fucking existence. You know what I mean? Like that's the vibe. Exactly. Um, so anyway, let's let's. Uh, we talked a lot about LaSalle institutionally. What what is this LaSalle team is curious? They are a curious one because I gotta say, you should know that in a thus far disastrously disappointing season for UMass, we're two and three. Uh, we have uh, three. Losses by a combined total of nine points, so it's not at all hyperbolic to say that we probably, like, we could, we should be four and one. We could be five and zero, oh, and it, this is not just one of those like, I, you know, it's really like, I don't know if you saw the George Mason game, but we we blew six point plus leads in the final two minutes of. Regulation, overtime, and double overtime before losing by one on the last possession. So, but amid all that, we played a phenomenal half of basketball against you guys and just blew the doors off. We really can't play better than that. So, I say that all because on paper people are like, well, UMass won by 20 at LaSalle. They should win again Saturday no 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 you know we are a very inconsistent group with a lot of talent that you guys had the misfortune of seeing but you guys i actually thought were kind of good and and like i was sort of impressed and then you lived up to that by beating dayton and then uh you blew out fordham beat him by like 40 and then who did you have another game or no I uh,
2: was supposed to play Saint Louis, but so I got because
0: of COVID. All right, so you're two and one with the lone loss to UMass. You're coming into Amherst. Yep. UMass coming off of a like Nat, What we lost, we didn't get the Saint Louis game because of COVID, and then we didn't get the GW game because of uh, Trump or, or whatever you want to call that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. And um, so weird season, but um, you're coming up to Amherst. Pre- presumably, you're there already. And um, I, what, who is this LaSalle team? Because you were. A little shaky in the non conference, looked good against us for a half, fell apart in the second half, and then have played two really good games since then. Uh, like, what? what's this LaSalle team? Who Who do you think you are?
2: All right, uh, I'm going to start. So, I
0: feel like this kind of
2: LaSalle team has a defensive identity. They play really good perimeter defense. Um, they have. It's kind of funny because this team doesn't really have a go-to score, but they're very deep. They play 10 guys and Ashley how to keep guy fresh. And, like, I feel like that for game, you had to kind of on all cylinders. Um, I feel like they're very, like, their guards, you know, they can, some of the guards can really shoot three, And I feel like that's kind of a sales game. Kind of like a, like, what was Dennis Like a building of a light where if LaSalle can kind of play really good, great from their defense and hit the three-point
0: shots, um, they have a good shot to win. Yeah. Agreed. And What I will say about the South team, I have to say, in the first half, I was, and I, and I mean, I'm saying this because I was, like, frustrated, but they literally fouled the shit out of UMass on every single possession. Yeah. They didn't get called on everyone because like refs aren't going to do that. It's kind of like one of those, it's an interesting strategy, right? Like you, it's like and I and I if it wasn't against us, I'd respect it because it's like well you can't call them for fifty fouls, but like you know, but they did of course ultimately get in a lot of foul trouble. And then in the second half, like UMass spread the floor a bit. They didn't have the depth and just and and just like they couldn't play with the same physicality. And UMass hung like fifty-five points in the second half or whatever it was. So is that like a trademark of their of their Defense, they just kind of smother the shit out of you and, and hope that it, it you know, it, they don't all foul out.
2: Yeah, definitely. We have the depth at the guard position to be very aggressive. It's if if the next man up mentality. There's there's no clear cut starters. Um, the the only worrisome part is our front court. If if say Clifton Moore gets in foul trouble, um, I believe the first time we played you guys, we played UMass. Clifton Moore and Jared Kimbr- Kimbrough basically had a timeshare because of all the foul trouble they were in. Um, Clifton is, has become much better these days. And as long as he doesn't get in foul trouble, we've got the depth in the backcourt to play ag- as aggressive as Ashley wants us to. And it's going to be very aggressive, but that's definitely that junk-your-dog mentality. like They're just going to get after you. And hopefully you map for the refs out there don't have a quick whistle. If they do we're gonna be in trouble the. Bottom
0: line it really is that, that I was gonna say like LaSalle really is that team this year. It feels like that uh, officiating and how a game is officiated impacts probably games with them more than any other opponent in the league, I think. Um, yes. and it's that's not a knock. or, or a, you know, it's just like it's just the way they play. And it's it interesting because it. because Trey Mitchell like can sometimes oh. shy shy if he has a flaw, it's that he can sometimes shy away from contact. And when those guys went in foul trouble, I mean, his second half performance against you was like as good of a college basketball half as I've seen in 20 years. I I mean, he had 25 in the second half. Like it was ridiculous. Um, But I I do think that doesn't necessarily suggest he'll do that again. I will also note that I think most of the other guys didn't play as well that game. So I think it'll, it'll play out differently um, one way or the other. But uh, wait, so the, so the kid, what's his name? Is it Indiana transfer, right? Um, Clifton Moore. Yeah. Moore. Yeah. And then what's the other big? So we've
2: got Jared Kimbrough He's a, he's a forward. Um, he, he's, he's, he's big, but we've also, what's notable here is Christian Ray has done it all for us. Like he can play up against their up against their center. Like he can body up trades to the best of his ability. He might not work out, but he can sometimes hold his own. And Jack Clark. Is another wing who is very tall, and he can also just defend to the best of in ability in the paint. So yes, we're weak on the front court, but those guys can
0: step up as well. So for you guys, like as this program evolves, it's, it's year three for Howard now.
1: Yes, it pro- what did you say? Are it, we pro- it, it, this,
0: no, this is year three for Howard, right? Yes, yes. So it's year three. You know, you haven't had a great first couple under him, but there's been like signs of life. It seems like you're at an interesting moment. You've won two in a row. You played a really good half against UMass. I think you did. You beat Delaware in non-conference too. Yeah. yeah. So you had a little bit of success in non-conference. Uh, started off a little, a little a little slow, if I recall right. Right. Like you. Yeah, St. John's and St. Peter's. <laughs> yeah. So, fun. but so this feels like, in many ways, for LaSalle, kind of a a weird measuring stick game for Ashley Howard in terms of just. Getting a little momentum, a league where, you know, it's very much bunched together. There's not a – you know, and you had this signature win against Dayton. Um, Wait, so are you 3-1 in the league? No.
2: So, we're 2-1 in conference, and this team is not the same team UMass played earlier in the season. This is definitely a different team. And the main reason that we're really happy with Ashley's third year – is because of the freshmen, Anwar Gill and Jameer Brickett. Those two have made such an impact on... It's like, you know, that's the phrase, the tide, the, the tide raises all boats.
0: A rising tide lifts all um, ships, that's what yes. it feels
2: like here. They're taking over. This is almost... I want to say, like, dare I say like, this is their team. Actually has done an incredible job of recruiting. And uh, these guys are in the... J- Jameer Brickett is, is our Coatesville area. I don't know if you know that area. Pennsylvania, but he, he's their school's all-time leading scorer, and we've got Anwar Gill, who's from the D.M.V. area. They're just incredible. Like that was such a bright spot, and those two weren't able to perform early in the season in the non-conference. Since then, they've developed so much and are starting. They've been starting the past few games, so that shows you that we've got we've got some bright a bright future here. And I think with those two making contributions so so early in their college careers. Like, it, it's getting everybody going. Like, this team, it, 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 it's just another weapon in our arsenal. This is not the team that you guys saw.
0: Yeah, although, I mean, in basketball. fairness, we, we caught a good half of LaSalle basketball. It wasn't, it, and, and, and just like, I always say this with college basketball and the A-10 in particular, like, you get a team that just shoots lights out one game and there's not much you can do about it unless you're also shooting like that. It's not like the NBA where, you know, you can kind of play badly and be talented enough to just you know, there's very few teams that can do that. And so you just got UMass's best half and it was that you know, I, I don't I don't think UMass is twenty points better than LaSalle at all. Um but I I, I was wondering like do you see this as kind of a, a measuring stick game a little bit in that if you turn the corner and go get another road win that not a not a team that's been very good, but a, a you know, a respectable team. It's not a, it's not Fordham it's not GW, it's not Saint Joe's. A road win at UMass, I feel like, for LaSalle would would signify that, okay, that LaSalle game that, that Dayton game was not a fluke. Um, this team can hang and, and maybe compete for, you know, top half, you know, seventh, something like that in the league, or do you just see this as kind of like another game and you're not overthinking it?
2: No, I, I completely agree with you and I was I was finding like to like, do the Amazon podcast, I was thinking about like, I'm going thank something like this because I completely agree with you, you know, this is what you know, fourth conference game, second like against you meant already, but you know, it's like, where are they? It's like how do they stack up against the conference, you know, it's two and one. They beat Dayton and they beat, they beat, they beat them And it's like, well, they another not team that you thought they were because Fordham beat them and it's like getting forward, but Ford and them. So it's like, what is this team really? It's like a two more type of second down in the tenth but like are they pretenders? They're contenders? So I feel like obviously in that one loss coming, um, against UMass. So now playing them again, I feel like this game kind of will show to me, like, are they pretenders? Are they contenders. If they can give UMass a game, I think, like, all the shots, the complete heat the top and in they 10, and if not, it's like they are who we call the were kind of thing. Like, that's, that's my thoughts there.
0: That's the, that's sorry. What's your last line there? That's you I said
2: that's my fault. That's my fault. Yeah, yeah. So like, what is it. What was it. At? Arizona Cook, uh, Arizona Cardinals. Dan Smith. You are what you you are, are, are what, what you're. What re- yeah,
0: yeah, you are what your record says. You are. Is that what the line was? So
2: we left them off the hook. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Um. Yeah. All right. So. I mean, you got a bunch. So, the one thing I would say about this LaSalle group, you have some athletes in the front court. You have some relentless defenders in the back court. Howard's got them playing pretty hard. He seems to have them bought in. Like, I feel like past LaSalle teams under Giannini would routinely quit in, like, mid February and then maybe get you, like, one great performance because they had some talent always, but they just kind of were checked the fuck out. That was always, like, the. The vibe I got with with Explorer teams under Giannini, and who would want to play for that guy? He seemed like a miserable fuck. But I mean, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I mean, it's my show. I consider it if I want. But like, he just he just seemed, you know. like And I've heard reporters talk about how just ruthless he is on the sidelines, just screaming. And like, he had negative swag. That's how I would describe him. He just had like there was no charm there. And I, I'm sure, you know, I guess he knew the game. But like, you know, and the, just like the Doctor Giannini shtick, I, I was so tired of it. I ne- I could. I don't have anything against the guy, but like, he just did not seem like a, a guy I would ever want to send my kid to play for. Um, Howard seems like the opposite, younger, engaged, like the guys are playing hard. The one And correct me if I'm wrong on any of these, these intuitions because I really don't watch LaSalle closely, but the one thing I would say about this LaSalle group, I mean, maybe a little bit, but you don't really have a, t- a takeover guy. You don't really have a guy in the last six minutes that you just want to get the ball to. Who can And I think, I always think in the A-10, that is pivotal to go, to be, I think you need one or two to be a top half team and like three or three to be a top four and like four to four or five to win the league. You need, you know, you know, but it doesn't really even seem like LaSalle has, you may, you maybe have one or half is that is that a fair assessment, that the thing you're That's lacking? That's a
2: fair assessment, for sure. When we beat Dayton, Clifton Moore hit the game-winning shot, and if you asked me to predict who would hit the game-winning shot, Clifton Moore would have been at the bottom of my list. I, I would not have anticipated him to hit a mid-range shot. Maybe, like, fourth or fifth option on that inbound play. So, like, there is definitely, you're absolutely right, there is no clear-cut um, go-to guy that we will rely upon late in games. So that's that's very concerning in a sense because, I mean, who, that, when it all boils down, someone has to take the last shot. We just got to hope that they make – that's what happened with Clifton. But that, Rich, I, I, I can't think of anybody that would really, like, step up and just take over late in games. I, I don't see Um, it. I mean, we really thought that like I was going to be, like you said, uh, but it hasn't really happened. But I – I mean, I feel like this guy's kind of showing flashes here and there. I feel like Jack Clark kind of been that guy, and I feel like Sharif, and he's been like a monster in, the, in the second half. So I feel like those two guys really kind of stepped up, and I expect that to keep yelling um, for
0: the remaining of the defense. So, so depth is not the issue, but maybe maybe there's a little bit lacking uh, there when it comes to star power to get into like the top four yes, exactly. dis- to get into the top four discussion. I mean, like. What's this, What's the sky's the limit for this team? Is it fifth? Is it sixth? Is it, you know, I mean, what's like the best case scenario realistically that you foresee this season?
2: I was saying on um, like our podcast that like, came out, I think tomorrow, or yesterday. Thanks for having me
0: on, by the way. That I
2: think the peak is, I don't know, I might be a little biased, I think the peak is us, I mean, after yeah. the four-seed, if a lot of these guys show the potential. I mean, that form being those last things you saw, and it was messing on all cylinders. They had 24 assistant feet. If they keep on, I mean, because there are a lot of younger guys, a lot of sophomores, I feel like they're starting to grow. Like Ashley Howard's kind of I feel like showing kind of tough love and grit. And, um, I feel like they're starting to show some potential. So I, I would say that's the piece, I would say, probably still in that pillow fight probably
0: uh, kind of range but wait so you're saying you're saying literally 4 to 11 yeah, like, yeah which you know what in this year's ten I think I think that's right like anything can happen I think that's right I mean like I think it's pretty clear that Richmond and St. Louis are kind of separating themselves from the pack and then you have like maybe VCU, but I'm still I haven't seen them really play yet. And I and, and from some of the VCU people I've talked to, just on Twitter or whatever, like I don't I'm not sold that they're like a lock. But even so, it's like them and Bonaventure and yep. kind of competing for that third spot, and then like maybe Davidson, Duquesne in there, and then I think UMass and LaSalle are both I mean similar in the sense that. Both have a lot of weapons and are, you know, inconsistent and really haven't learned to win sustainably. Um, so, yeah, this will be a really interesting matchup. It's it's a hard game to predict. I could see UMass. You know, we beat you by twenty, so I can't put I can't say that's not going to happen. But I really don't see that happening. You know, I honestly probably I hate to say it, like we've been so maddeningly inconsistent and lose finding ways to lose games we should win. But I do think being home and having a long break probably helps. I think UMass probably wins this game like 76-73. Um, or I just think like the wheels really start falling off for UMass and the, the, the Fire McCall stuff really ramps up and we end up losing this game like, you know, legit, like, 74 to 62 and it's just ugly on UMass Twitter. Well, what, what are your predictions? I, I do tend to do I, like the two prediction analysis.
2: I think it's going to be close. Um, I think it'll be... I, I don't see a, a, a situation where we let Trey Mitchell get away with dominating us like last, last time. We've, we've, seen his, we've seen what he can do and we're, we're a better team now. So I don't see him going off again, knock on wood. I'm, I'm going to be eating my words, I'm sure. I did. But um, I, I see it definitely being close, and it, what we've seen, and this is against Dayton. Uh, if if it's a low-scoring game, that's going to favor LaSalle. That's like that's what we want. So if I see the score in the mid 20s at halftime, I'm going to be putting my money on LaSalle to win this game.
0: If We're, just worth <laughs> noting before you jump in, UMass has not. Uh, the over is five and zero this year, and they've not gone under seventy five points as a team this season. Wow! And we're yeah. two, and we're two and three, so it tells you a lot about yeah. our defense too.
2: That's crazy. This could be a shootout, but I think it will be it will be close. And I predict LaSalle will be better. We will figure out the Trey Mitchell equation, and our guards will be shooting two the lights out, yeah. and we'll win. by. Yeah. Five to seven points. So but, I got like you're
0: saying, 70 to 65?
2: Yeah, let's, let, I, I want it to be low-scoring, but you, you, you make a good point that UMass just has <laughs> been, been the opposite. So, yeah, I'll oh, go with that. high-scoring game. Uh, we win by five or seven. Rich? Uh, uh, I don't know why. I mean, i be a little biased, but after that's where I'm going. I spent this team, that's of i I think they're going to win by like I
0: don't know why I have this number in my head. I'm going to say they win by 11. Lasalle's. Lasalle, is. LaSalle wins by 11. Man, I'll you look 11. like I respect you guys, but this is a this is a little aggressive for a team that's like <laughs> beat Fordham and a bad Dayton team and lost to the team that you're saying you're going to beat by uh, by 20. Um, they better every game. All, all right, okay. look, I mean, whatever happens, happens. I'll be talking that shit. Um <laughs> I encourage you to do the same and I'm gonna get you some more follow I've I've been would you say I lead the league in terms of hyping your account?
2: Yes. Shout out to well, we'd love to shout you out because you definitely boost our followers. You're like, follow this account now. This is incredible. And it I it's great. We really appreciate you. I mean we we should start reciprocating, but once the lights go on and that's all tip. We are mortal
0: enemies. It's war. It's war. I mean like the, look the, the posting the posting wars are the posting wars and you're you're a soldier, I'm a soldier, we can respect it, you know. It's like it's like World War One. Those guys used to like, you know, sip coffee in the field and then like they would just kill each other and you know, it was like when the when the game when the ball's up, you know, the post the posts begin.
2: Exactly. And the, the, there will be blood.
0: All right, fellas, it's been great having you. I'm going to hopefully get this up tomorrow. My producer Bennett, you know, I don't know if he's working. It may this may be in in fitting in keeping with uh, the absurdity of our show. This may end up coming out like uh, you know uh, six days after the actual game is played. But if nothing else, the world learned a great deal about. Uh, LaSalle as an institution and uh, apologies to our listeners. I was uh, real exhausted tonight and I probably, you know, mispronounced some words and and, and I was just, I was not, I was, I usually rate myself on this program and I would say like, this was a, this was a B interview, not, you know, not, not quite in the B plus range because I just, I had some misses, but we'll have you on again. And uh, I would love to come on your show. I mean, I'm going to just – I mean, in fact, I'm a little offended that in, in advance of the UMass game, you didn't have me.
2: We haven't had a single guest on Yeah, We haven't had a guest on yet. We're still, we're still getting used to things,
0: but – Listen, this, this pod game – this pod game – you, look, it, it, your program may not be able to invest in, in the ways it needs to, but your podcast can. <laughs> I
2: love it. <laughs> I love
0: the positive <laughs> word. All right, guys. Thanks for coming on.
2: I'm okay, a
0: regular stash. She intended you, mass, and she passed every class. Walked down the hall with right, a stuck up sass of the basketball players. Right, yeah. She liked how they pass But when I used to hit it, the ball catching, quitting. She wouldn't right. admit it. But shorty was addicted.